This podcast is sponsored by CarePlus Home Health. You just visited mom and dad, and you notice that their age might finally be catching up with them. CarePlus Home Health is your perfect solution. Headquartered in Montgomery County, CarePlus Home Health provides affordable in-home care and nursing services all throughout Maryland and the District of Columbia. CarePlus provides a number of in-home care options that will help mom and dad enjoy their golden years at home. From personal care, meal preparation, transportation, bathing, dressing, and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's care, an experienced CarePlus caregiver is the best way to address mom and dad's needs and leaving your family with peace of mind. Call CarePlus today at 301-740-8870. Tell them you heard about CarePlus from a minor detail podcast and you'll receive a special 10% discount. Call today at 301 301- 740-8870. That's 301-740-8870. Today is Tuesday, October 15th. I am in the Rockville Memorial Library. And it's that time again where it always seems there's an election year. And today I have the opportunity to interview Rockville City Council candidate James Hedrick. He's running for Rockville City Council. James, is this your first time running for a public office? Very first time running for public office, yes. Is, is this exciting or what? <laughs> it is definitely exciting. It's uh, It's been a long slog so far. It's been about six months of, of uh, being an official candidate and going out there, but it's been a real, uh, really has been a pleasure, and you learn a lot. I like that you said slog. It's a, I'm sure it is a, a fascinating endeavor to, mm-hmm. to run for office, and I think Rockville, what is it, Maryland's sixth largest city? Six? It floats around in there up between in the top five or so, yeah. So today I want to talk to you about who you are, your background, and as I said, it's going to be very conversational. We're going to have some fun with this and this opportunity to introduce yourself, as you have done many times in the past, to Rockville City Voters, but to a Minor Detail podcast listeners. Of course, Absolutely. I am your host, Ryan Miner, and today I am looking forward to to having this discussion. So I'm looking at your website. Mm-hmm. It's jamesforrockville.com. That's right. And I see, oh, you have two kids. And you said your daughter just turned two yesterday. She did. She turned two on Sunday, actually. Okay, so Sunday. Um, two toddlers, married, working in D.C., running for Rockville City Council. I don't think it's outside of the ballpark for trade, man. You have your hands full. I've, uh, I've given up on a few hobbies in the last couple of months, that's what, true. What hobbies? I used to play a lot of music. I uh, used to do some woodworking down in my basement. So, uh, woodworking. woodworking. I am not that yeah, if you get If you go to my house, you'll see a nice coffee table that I made out of a, a tree that used to be in my backyard, as a matter of fact. No, that's going to stay with me because it took way too long. I would, if I were you, well, I would, yeah. I, I think my wife would be very pleased if I, if I had a hobby like that. But this is my hobby. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's my passion. And so I'm, I'm reviewing the website, and mm-hmm. by the way, well done. This is easy to read, and for me, when you just want to ascertain some quick information, yeah. this is well done. Did you do it? I didn't do this one myself. I provided all the content and everything, but I had a friend of a, a, friend of a friend do the, the design work. As you said, I'm, I, I feel I can write, but putting things together in a way that looks pretty is not one of my, not one of my skills. So you, think you talk about moving to Rockville in 2014. Mm-hmm. So you've been here for about five years. And mm-hmm. you were here when your wife was pregnant with mm-hmm. your first daughter. You left D.C. and you found a house over in the Twinbrook neighborhood. neighborhood. Oh, we're growing. Mm-hmm. I should mention, tonight is the, uh, is it the Twinbrook Civic? 
Twinburg Community Association and the Village are co-hosting the, the forum tonight. Forum tonight at 6 o'clock. That's right. So this will probably, this podcast will be live probably after, <laughs> after that forum. Um, so let's talk about you yeah. and uh, your background. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your, mm-hmm. your bio. So uh, I've been a civil servant for my entire career. I moved up to D.C. all the way back in, I think, 04 after I graduated from college. Uh, worked at HUD for a while, did a lot of affordable housing work, uh, economic development work on jobs, things like that. I've told a few people around the city, I literally have traveled all the way from Puerto Rico up to Alaska, working with, with cities and counties like Rockville. Uh, then after that, I went back, I finished my degree in uh, public policy at Rice University, so I have a PhD in, in public policy. Houston, right? Mm-hmm, down, down in Houston. I'm actually, my, originally I grew up down there, so. You grew up in Houston? Well, close. It's Texas, so it's about two and a half hours away from Houston. But a little bit. It, sle- it sneaks in there every now and then. And then uh, finished my PhD, came back up here. Uh, wife got a job in D.C., and then we were looking around for a place to live when uh, Rachel got pregnant with Alice. And then found a place in, in Twinbrook. She had been, uh, she'd been at RM when she was in high school. You know, found a house, came in, moved to Rockville, and been loving it ever since. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. As someone, you have, you see, I assume you lived on, uh, in, in, in one of the neighborhoods there. Columbia Heights, yeah. Columbia Heights. What made you decide on choosing the suburb? Washington, D.C.? Uh, a couple of things. Uh, uh, one is just basic economics. Uh, it's, it's hard to find a place to live and to, and to buy into D.C. It's expensive. Uh, and the other part, like I said, Rachel had grown up here, had lots of friends around here. Yeah, she's from Montgomery County. Her, uh, her folks now live up in Damascus. So that probably made it easier. That did. It really did. We had friends down here, people that she knew, some people that I knew, some families. That made it a, it made it a pretty much a slam dunk. And your wife said that uh, you're never living again. Yeah, no, we're never moving again. You're Exactly. No, we're not, we're not going anywhere. So you got a PhD, and you're, you're working at HUD, and mm-hmm. you worked on economic development. You mm-hmm. travel around the country, you've helped officials turn federal money into economic opportunity for the communities. Mm-hmm. Man, is there any bigger prerequisite than turning federal money into assistance for your community? I think that you have... If there's one thing I think missing from the, from the city council right now, it's that, that policy background and that knowledge of how to take that money and how to do economic development work in a city that's both sustainable for the long term, economically, financially, all that kind of thing. And then trying to find the people that have the money to bring it into the city and then trying to find the businesses that want to come in and, and move into the place and, and stay here for the long term. Yeah, how do you see that role of the city council? Are you a matchmaker? Are you a, look, uh, are you a magnet to draw in people? How does that work for you? Yeah, it's it's two things. It's a combination of the policy aspect and of the advocacy work, because I mean you can do a lot to go you know chase these folks down, tell them all the good things that you've got and everything like that, and that's a it's a big part of what you do as a, as a city councilor and as a public official. The other part is that, that businesses really look for two things. They look for a workforce, which we have, highly educated, very diverse, very knowledgeable and skilled. And the other part's the infrastructure, which we have part of. You know, we have some transportation and things like that. Don't have as many places that they want to come in and move to. So I think that's the piece that we have to work on policy-wise. You said a lot. And mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of issues to cover. But the first question and the big one is, mm-hmm. James, what's the reason you want to run for this? It's not easy to be in public office these days. You're going to take a lot of criticism if you're elected. Uh, people down in Washington... I try not to touch any Washington politics, <laughs> unless it relates to Maryland directly, since I cover Maryland news and politics and municipal government. But we see Washington, and we say, it, it cannot be like this 
on the municipal side or even on the county or state side. Yeah. So why are we jumping in an especially hectic time in our, on our nation's history? Yeah. I mean, there's really two reasons, and one of them is that Rockville lost the only person that was on the city council that was under the age of 60, right? And that's Ed's Julie Polakovich Kerr. Uh, and no criticism of the rest of our city council, but it, it's, it's hard not to have somebody up there that knows what it's like to have a kid, to have a job, to travel, to do all those things, and to try to live in Rockville while, while you're doing it. And then to speak to the, to the criticism thing. I mean, I've already been criticized just on the campaign trail, much less. Really? Again. Eh, a couple of times. Uh, I don't know, a couple of things. Somebody, uh, I don't know, somebody thought I'd, I'd gotten an endor- uh, asked for an endorsement I didn't get or something like that. And then, you know, people at the doors and stuff. You know, you get a few. Oddly enough, you knock on 6,000 doors and you remember three people that are kind of cranky. Uh, I, I can imagine that a few stick in your mind. There's a lot of doors to knock mm-hmm. in the city of Rockville. That seems like to be a, a, a universal strategy among candidates. Mm-hmm. Going out, talking directly to the people, knocking on the doors. Of course, you have information and data that you know who the voters are. Absolutely. And, the are. and this year, the format of voting has changed just ever slightly mail-in <laughs> ballots. What are your thoughts on this new process? Man, if I knew what was going to happen, I'd be a lot richer than I am right now. Uh, Do you think that it's going to encourage people to, to vote? Because look how easy it is. You get something in the mail. It says, here's your ballot. You fill it out. You return it. Uh, isn't postage paid for? Postage paid. It, I mean, what's simpler than picking up an ink pen, deciding who the candidates are, and then putting it out for the the post office to pick up. It's really simple. Yeah, it's, I, it is. Uh, I think the city, the Board of Supervisors of Elections and the city staff actually have done a really good job of promoting it and explaining the process. They brought in some folks that have you know, done it in other cities before, vote by mail. And so I think it is. I think it's going to encourage turnout. We've seen it encourage turnout in other cities and counties. You know, Several places in the West have been doing it for a long time. So I think it's going to be easier. I think it also allows for people, particularly in Rockville, we don't have a you know, we don't have a newspaper anymore. You know, there's not a TV station, anything like that. So it allows people the opportunity to sit around and, and learn about the candidates at their own leisure and then vote how they feel like they need to vote. Well, I think there's a vacuum in Montgomery County for, for media. There is. There's to be, there used to be the Gazette. The Gazette would have covered this race in depth, no. I, would, I would believe. In, and look, it's, uh, it's not easy to be out there in the media world these days, but that's why I want to do the podcast. Mm-hmm. Use, you know, we'll send this out on our social media. We'll send it out on our websites, and people can, can read it and yep. listen to it, and I can I can help someone maybe make up their decision. And they listen to this interview today, and they say, okay, this is my guy. I'm sure you're hoping that. <laughs> I hope a little bit. I hope a few people think that, yeah. So let's talk about the – I want to first ask you, are you mm-hmm. part of any of the slates that are back? So I'm with the, the Team Rockville group, yeah. Okay, and who's on Team Rockville? So myself, uh, Virginia Onley running for mayor, Mark Prashala, who's a current uh, city council uh, member. Uh, we've also got uh, David Miles, Dr. David Miles, who's on it, and uh, also Cindy Cotty Griffiths. Okay, so it's a, it's a slate that looks like it's countering the other slate, all right? I would like to say, you know, we were, we were there first, but, you know. You know, I saw something that with the group Our Revolution, they backed you guys, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Oh, backed me. They backed you. Mm-hmm. And I think Virginia. And Virginia, yeah. Okay. No, team. And that's a Bernie Sanders-based. Mm-hmm. And let's just put that out there that this is not partisan. Mm-hmm. You're not a... You're not running on a Democrat or Republican or independent ticket. No, I can't. I'm actually a Fed and covered by the Hatch Act. So, yeah, so no talking politics. No, no talking partisan politics. <laughs> we will, we will, we will stray away from that and stick uh, strictly to policy. <laughs> and so, all right, break down the differences between Team Rockville and what? I'm sorry, the other one. Rockville Forward. Rockville Forward. No. Rockville Forward Team Rockville. 
what's the differences in your approach compared to the other others on this list? Yeah, I think that I think that it's two things. One, I think it's leadership uh, on the city council from the uh, the current members that are that are on the other team. Um, They've abstained for votes. They've held votes back on things like affordable housing, buying police cruisers, things like that, that I think are very simple, basic issues of, of uh, municipal government. And then on the other thing, there's a policy of being able to live in Rockville if you don't just have just a ton of money. Uh, we need housing. We need affordable housing. We need different types of housing and housing for families, low-income folks, all sorts of things. And the other team, when they've had the opportunity, has blocked a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you this question: um, Are you? Is this race at all being framed politically? Is it? Is it like a progressive versus moderate? I don't think so. No, I mean this is this is municipal government. It stop signs and sewers for the yeah. most part, exactly. and so like you know when it comes down to that, it cuts across things that are a little bit different than you know than partisan races. So I mean to to cut it that simply, I think is is an inaccurate way to view the race. Mm-hmm. has supported you, then you would be then uh, inextricably mm-hmm. linked to Bernie Sanders and that, that, that wing of the, the Democratic... Well, I don't know if he's a Democrat, but you know what I'm saying? Well, what it, what, the, what it mainly is, particularly with our revolution in Progressive Maryland and the other groups, is I've been working on housing affordability for decade-plus now. Do you see that as a partisan issue? No, I don't see that as a partisan... Or it shouldn't be. But there... I, I, I think you're right on line with that. Yeah. People, the biggest concern that I hear from people who want to move Mm-hmm. County. They may work in D.C. or take my parents, for instance, mm-hmm. both of them work in Frederick, and I think eventually they're going to, I'd love them to be here. I Absolutely, yeah. I grew up in Hagerstown. It, the, the, how, the difference in housing value in Western Maryland versus Montgomery County mm-hmm. is astounding. It really is. astounding. And middle class people, I, I'm a middle class guy. Mm-hmm. I look at houses and I, I look at my wife and I said, I would love to live there, but we just can't. Um, and that's my concern. So let's talk about that. You, you talk about, you, in the forums and mm-hmm. some of the other interviews, you've discussed affordable housing. Mm-hmm. You break down your policy platform on that particular issue. Yeah, and I think, well, there's there's two issues to it. One is the subsidized housing that we that we have, and usually that's federal. And I can go into that for hours and hours, and then everybody, wonky. I can be incredibly wonky. Uh, but we have some of that in Rockville, and I've been on the board of Rockville Housing Enterprises for a couple of years now, and I'm now vice chair of the board. And uh, we do a lot of that work. We can do more of it. And what it does mainly is allow people that already live here to stay here. It allows there to be afford- housing that's affordable to stay affordable. So we do a lot of that work. Let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Can you quantify the word affordable? Well, we can, depending on how much time we have. Okay. Uh, and but, and uh, how much income mm-hmm. the, the, a Rockville resident would have? Is it based, it's income-based? Most of the subsidized housing is income-based, okay. depending on if it's low-income housing tax credits or any of 47 other different programs. And your team, your slate, mm-hmm. is looking to promote more affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell you, right where we are at the Rockville Memorial Library in Rockville Town Center, I can't imagine that most of these apartments are affordable for average middle-class people. Not, not probably. We have some through the MPDU, which is Moderately Priced Dwelling Unit Program. So RHE purchases those. The county runs it. The city has its own program. The other half of it, in addition to the subsidized housing, is just the fact that we need more housing, more cl- like more housing closer to transportation options. Like the Rockville Metro, we're sitting here. It's about two blocks away down that yeah, down that direction. We need more housing there. We need more housing down at the Twinbrook Metro. If you want to talk about differences between the teams. 
most of the team, uh, Rockville Group, supported the Twinbrook Quarter Project that's going to bring, you know, replace 19 acres of asphalt with something people can live in. And then a lot of the other team did not. And so I think it's important that we not only have the, the affordable housing portion, but housing affordability and being, you know, allowing people to come in and build stuff that can be afforded by middle class people, by young families, by the people whose children live, you know, the people who live here right now, their kids may want to come back, that kind of thing. What's the draw of Rockville right now? Is it Town Center? Is it Twinbrook? What's the happening in neighborhoods where young folks like, how old are you? Uh, 37 now. Okay, so you're only a few years older than I'm, 33, mm-hmm. I'll be 34 next month. And mm-hmm. my wife and I, we, we live in Rockville, or rather, we live in Gatesburg, and although I'm sure you love my mood here. <laughs> uh, come on down. Yeah, come on down. We, we live in a, I think a younger neighborhood. Yeah. It's fun. We could, <clears throat> we could walk to different places, but mm-hmm. we, what's the draw here? What would, what would make someone, you know, a, a, a five-year younger version of you relocate here? Um, that's coming from the D2 server, suburbs or maybe Peking mm-hmm. County or up in Western Maryland where I grew up, what would get them here? Yeah, I think that, uh, I, I mean, I think that one thing is that there's schools. I mean, the schools around here are excellent. Now, the city doesn't control them. It causes some tension on occasion, but the schools are a big part of it. The second is that there's neighborhoods that people can move into that still do have some houses that are affordable, Twinbrook in particular, I think, East Rockville you know, Lincoln Park. Uh, But that's getting less and less all the time. A lot of those houses are already turning over. People are moving in. Older folks are moving out. And there's not a lot of housing that's affordable that's replacing them. I could could afford my house five or six years ago when we bought it. Eh, Not so much right now. James, when you're knocking doors, Mm -hmm. you're talking to potential constituents, voters, what are on their minds? One, the housing affordability is a big issue, and the, the reason it's a big issue is people don't have a language to talk about it. They're, they're worried about, you know, seniors are worried about being able to afford to stay in their home. Uh, younger families like mine are, you know, can we afford a house? Can we move out of an apartment and into a house? Uh, you know, people that are, you know, middle class, been there for a while, a little bit older than me, are worried about paying the, paying the taxes on it as the, as the property values continue to go up. And so housing affordability is a big issue, but it's hard. People are having a hard time talking about it, and it's hard to find the language for it. Uh, the other one is deer. Deer. I'm not kidding you, deer. Every, every neighborhood I've been into, I've been told about the deer. That they're, they're overpopulated with deer. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. If you, go to, if you go to my neighborhood, there's a couple of cemeteries on the side of the road. So if you go down Baltimore Road, you know, you'll see them coming across. They're, they're a traffic hazard, and it's a major, overpopula- they're a major overpopulation of deer. So what are their... <laughs> I'm, I'm taken aback by that. It's not an issue that's... It's not uncommon because we mm-hmm. see it all the time on 270. Yeah. Are they concerned about hitting these animals? Are they concerned about just them interrupting their gardens and flowers <laughs> and, uh, you know, leaving behind... Uh, destruction know, in their wake. Destruction in their wake and droppings. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. Deer is the one that I've heard, you know, all the, every way from west of 270 all the way up to Lincoln Park. But uh, they're, they're a traffic hazard. I mean, they absolutely are. Sure. And we see them on the, you know, we see them on the side of Baltimore over where I live. The other thing is that they have, I mean, they do carry the ticks for Lyme disease. Right. And this is an issue that people are concerned about, although I don't know the extent of it, you know, from a scientific basis. But it's something people are concerned about. And they do come in, you know, eat the gardens, destroy landscaping, things like that. So, so what do they propose to do? I, I mean, I think for the deer, there's, there's, there's just too many of them. It has to be, they're overpopulated, so you have, to sort of, you have to sort of cull the deer and then do something to prevent. Can we do something in a humane way? I think absolutely we can. Um, trapping is expensive. There's birth control options, which are pretty, okay. pretty pricey. Okay, so uh, take, a, take mm-hmm. Bambi and family down to 
<laughs> well, take family and family, you know, out out to the out to the uh, the mountains or something like. That. There are some humane ways to do it, uh, but there's just the, it, it's they're hugely overpopulated right now. And I have pictures from going around knocking on doors where they're literally three feet in front of me, in front like between me and someone's door, and they don't seem like they're gonna move. So. You think that'll come up? Has that come up in forums? That actually has the first forum. Somebody asked about deer. They've, they've asked about it. Yeah. So are there mixed responses, or is there sort of a collective idea about how to how to mitigate the, the growing deer population? I'd say there's a consensus that there is a problem. I don't know if there's a consensus about how we deal with the problem. One of the, you know, I hope the candidates just aren't talking about, you know, calling up Uncle Johnny from, you know, out back and then... Hey, I got thing. I got thing one and thing two. I have. I have no desire to see anybody shooting them with with <laughs> rifles near my near my neighborhood. But James, another issue that you talk about on your website mm-hmm. is connecting Rockville, and that's a, that's a big one. You mentioned mm-hmm. Interstate 270. Mm-hmm. As a city council, as a city councilman, a potential city councilman, you would obviously deal with the state's impact, whether they decide to mm-hmm. or not. Why you 270? Mm-hmm. And you'll, you should be directly involved with the county and the state on the process of how to absolutely the traffic. And for for many of us, the traffic mm-hmm. here is a crisis. We've reached a crisis point. And as a city councilman, mm-hmm. you can be influential in how you resolve and, and begin to fix these problems. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that and your policy. Yeah, for I mean, for 270, the plan was wasn't great to begin with and it didn't get any better after yeah the 270 plan it didn't get any better after the board of public works either um i worked for a little bit down in houston when they widened the katie freeway i was working on something tangential to a lot of that and wasn't directly involved they doubled about the size of the katie freeway in texas went from about 12 lanes to about 23 um traffic is worse congestion is worse Induced demand concept, absolutely. So you can't build your way out of a traffic congestion issue. What you have to do is offer other opportunities for people to get from point A to point B and point B to C and C to F. How do you get people out of cars? Transit. It's the only way to do it. Mass transit. It's the only way to do it. I'd love to see Mark extended both in its time and in and going further out because people have gone further out. And so Metro as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the um, the fact that they don't stop at Grosvenor anymore, so we don't have the turn back at Grosvenor is a big deal. That was a, a huge deal. Uh, and it really helped. It really helped people get back on the train. The 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 ridership has spiked significantly for that. And that's good for Metro. It's good for getting people from Washington D.C. I mean, mm-hmm. There's plenty of federal workers in Ontario. Oh, absolutely. They're moving over here. It's it's a it's a good place to live. If I like the bus rapid transit idea. I'd like to see what it's finally going to be implemented as. Those things can be tricky. Um, again, I worked in Houston a little bit when they did when they rerouted their bus routes and they did a little bit of they did a lot of you know planning on where they were going to put their bus routes, how how um, often they were going to come, and they made them a lot more uh, they made the routes a lot more stable and a lot more on time. And they got a big jump in ridership out of that. But the problem was that they pulled back on some stops. And so I'd like to see us think about buses more as a commuter option and less as an internal one. Yeah. Is there a quick fix right now for 270? Uh, the quick fix right now for 270 is not. I mean, there, there's no quick fix that's going to make the congestion go away tomorrow. There, there simply isn't. 
and there isn't a way to do that. But expanding the bus options is the quickest way to do it so that people can get west to east without having to go on the roads and people get from north to south. The problem is that a lot of those trips come from places that aren't under, you know, aren't even in Montgomery County, much less Rockville. I think the reversible lane within the footprint is probably the best, the best idea in the short term uh, because you've got plenty of footprint right there. Um, it's, an easy, it's a relatively easy option to implement. Um, it's just not as, uh, it's just not as uh, interesting as, as building toll lanes or, or putting a monorail. <laughs> Do you support a monorail concept? I don't know about monorail, maglev maybe an option. Something like that that's a mass transit option that can be built within the current footprint would be nice and I think would go a long way to helping out on the congestion issue. But I, the monorail thing was thrown in kind of last minute, and I don't know how serious anybody's been about it so far. That's the project that they're talking about from here to Frederick. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. I mean, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who catch the metro train on a shitty road. Yeah, absolutely. So they would come down from, from western Maryland. And then come right in, yeah. I think, I think any, it's, it's pricey. Anything that can go in there, I think that the money would much be better that's going to be spent on toll lanes would be much better spent on some version of mass transit. I just don't know specifically if monorail is the, is the option that's, that's best for the, I mean, that's best to get people, like you said, in Western Maryland, Frederick, all the way down to, to Shady Grove. What's your take on bicycles? I like the, I like cycling. I like, I do it a little bit myself. I have one of those little trailers that, that hangs out on the back of the bike for the, for the kids to, yeah. But uh, there are a lot of places that I just won't, I won't go because it's, it's not as safe as it, as it needs to be. Would you be interested in adding more bike lanes? I think what we need to do in addition to sort of adding the bike lanes is connecting them better. You know, there's really good ones over on the west side of town. There's really good set on sort of the east side of town. You know, some will go down and catch the Rock Creek Park, that kind of thing. They don't connect to each other very well. So if you're close to one that can take you where you need to go, you're good. It's getting between those bike lanes where it's safe and easy to bike that's, that's the harder issue. James, we've seen some businesses recently pick up and leave downtown Rockville. Mm-hmm. I consider this area where we are in Rockville Town Center mm-hmm. to be the downtown core. Yeah. The issue with Dawson's, I know that the city put some money into that mm-hmm. to get it back. And that was devastating when that, that it's iconic for Rockville. It is. Um, but I think a case can be made is that did they spend too much time or is there other opportunity? How, how are we going to? As a city councilman, how is city government going to work to inspire business owners to relocate in this mm-hmm. downtown or urban quarter? Absolutely. And how can you make that affordable? Well, we've got a couple of we've got a couple of options. So you know, we've had study after study, and the thing that it's told us is that there's not enough density and there's too much retail. And that's really the there's crux too of much too much retail. The uh, Urban Lands Institute estimated it at about 100,000 square feet more than we need, which is about I think about right. But one of the things that we can do is it's not that the square footage is, we don't need the square footage, it's the square footage is zoned for the wrong type of thing. So allowing doctor's offices, accountants, childcare, different types of businesses to come into the urban core that are not strictly retail, like we have right now in here, I think would go a long way to solving some of that problem and solving some of the vacancy issues that you see around town center. And then otherwise, town square, you know, this area is never meant to be, you know, just one stage and done. It was meant to have a separate separate stages that go north, you know, up the street, um, you know, a little bit east toward the metro station. So allowing some of those things to turn over, allowing some of the housing to come in that we need to have the businesses in Town Square thrive, I think that goes a long way to solving the problem. Do you go down here much? I do quite a bit, actually. The city does a good job of throwing events down here, which they is do. nice. They do. And they have actual excellent restaurant options. They do. All over the place. And there's, mm-hmm. there's every possible imaginable scene, if you like it. I mean, of course, there's wild wings, but I really mm-hmm. like to shop locally. Yeah. Some of the small shops. Uh, 
breakfast spot right over here. Oh, the little one that's, uh, yeah, the little diner place that's down there? That one's really kind of, yeah, I like that. And Rockville gets a lot of traction. It's the county mm -hmm. seat. Yeah. yeah. People are coming down to court. Mm -hmm. People are coming to jury duty. I did. <laughs> I did my duty. Good for you. All right. I sat on the jury. That was interesting a couple of years ago. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm seeing that, you know, that, that brings in another question about mm -hmm. safety. Yeah. The basics of local government is all about the nuts and bolts rather. Exactly. It's, are we safe? Mm -hmm. Keep it safe. So talk about the policing and your mo your mm -hmm. model of policing. And, you know, your police chief came from Hagerstown. I, I'm, I'm aware. And, uh, and Chief Brown. And Chief Brown, yeah. So when I was over at the Twin Brook uh, Community Association over there, one of the very first things we did when we when the, the new leadership for TCA came in was actually bring Brito in and talk about some public safety issues because we had the assault at the metro station. There had been some vandalism. There was actually a shooting over there not too long ago. So one of the first things we did was bring them in and not just to complain and, you know, gripe about things, but to try to find some solutions. So we took them along the, the walking paths that go from the Twin Brook Rec Center through the neighborhood, you know, down to the park and like, you know, you know, here's where the dead here's where the dead areas are. Here's where the blind spots are. This is places we'd like to see more, um, you know, patrolling, more lighting, things like that. So a lot of it's the built infrastructure, just getting some street lights, uh, getting where there aren't blind spots, things like that. Then patrolling the community policing is good, and I think that the current police chiefs done really, you know, I've really done an excellent job in meeting with the communities and the associations and going out there the neighborhoods. And as much more of that as we can get, I think goes a long way. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just I, I look at pedestrian safety as well oh yeah do you hear that much pedestrian safety is a bit is a big issue it's it's um it's one that comes up in particular where people can and have the opportunity to walk around uh like i said we've worked on it in twinbrook on the community uh, twinbrook community association going over veers mill that intersection at uh at atlantic uh it's a big issue and it, it again goes to the built infrastructure, not just the lights, but having you know well-marked crosswalks. Uh, I think there's some opportunity, honestly, in places in the town center to remove uh, cut-through streets that we don't really need for cars, just to have pedestrian walkways. Like I said, a couple times, I've got two kids. The less I can worry about them having to run into the street during a city event, the better off the better off I am. So. Matthew, ever talked about uh, issues like elderly folks and senior care? Mm-hmm. Well, Quite. That's uh, so. That's a perfect entrance into. Mm -hmm. to talk about my podcast sponsor. All right. Today we're being sponsored by Care Plus Home Health. They are a home care agency mm -hmm. over in Montgomery County. They service people inside of their homes. And think, for instance, that you have an aging grandparent mm -hmm. who needs some extra help inside of their home. Maybe they need to be uh, taken to the doctors. They have some appointments that they have to get to. Or uh, they need some companion care uh, or just some extra help around the house, like meal preparation. Or they need some help uh, with bathing and medical supplies, uh, and Care Plus Home Health is the perfect company to do that, and they are located in Gaithersburg, and I would encourage anybody to pick up the phone and, and to call them, and the number will be provided before the show and after the show. Um, you, you talk about outreach and inclusion. We mm -hmm. those words. What does that mean? Well, we've got a um, we've got a really diverse population in Rockville that I don't think is particularly well represented, not just you know on the council, but but within our boards and commissions and things like that. We've got a really robust and diverse boards and commission system in Rockville, and the diversity on those on those boards and commissions doesn't really rec 
you know, represent Rockville, 30 percent are foreign born, there's a very large Asian population, Latino population, that kind of thing. Um, and so we've got to go out, and that's the, that's the thing about inclusion is sitting back and waiting for it to happen on its own really isn't going really to solve the problem. But going out, finding folks, and asking people to, you know, when there's an express, you know, when there's an opening, say, you know, your organ, like, you know, say the Human Rights Commission or something like that, you know, going out to the, you know, to the gay rights groups and things like that and saying, hey, you know, there's an expression, you know, why don't you have someone submit an expression of interest? Why don't you come and join? Like, get, you know, put it in an application and, and we'll see what can happen. But it's, that's the, out, I mean, the outreach is the important part of the inclusion. And you're looking to, inclusion means bringing all people together. Mm hmm Mm-hmm. Of community, and that's what makes a community. Oh, absolutely. Of course, and we live in Montgomery County, where we're lucky to live in uh, mm-hmm. diversity that is offered here. We, we have a, you know, absolutely riches of people from all cultures, mm-hmm. and it's great. It contributes. I'm, I'm so happy my my children are going to school with such a diverse culture. Their friends are diverse. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. Mm-hmm. That's. We need more of that. We do, and we need to make sure that it's reflected in the city government. Because, you know, you, where's all the old, uh, the old adage, you don't know what you don't know? You know, if you don't go out and ask folks, you're never going gonna to miss things. James, you hear from people uh, when you knock on their door, they say, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know much about city government. I don't know. I don't even know who my representative is. Some people, <laughs> and they don't even know who their congressman is or mm-hmm. their U.S. senator. And I think most people know the president and the vice president. But then you get down to, well, the vice president. Maybe. I'm a, as a political scientist, I'd, I'd like to caution you on the vice president. President, you're pretty good on. Vice yes. president, you know, let people live. Some people still think that, uh, that Al Gore's still nice. <laughs> Al Gore's been out of it for a while, and I think he's probably happy about it. He has been. Uh, so, you know, what? What do you think about voter apathy, or at least not having the information yeah. to make those decisions about what's best for their local government? Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, I think that's one of the, the key hurdles for people participating in, in local government, voting, you know, doing anything else. You know, as you go down from president to state government to, you know, things like that, participation gets lower and lower, and one of the biggest reasons is people just don't know anything, and they don't want to make... I don't want to say they don't want to make a mistake, but they don't want to make a decision without having any information about it. And so one of the reasons it's so important to go knock on doors and talk to everybody is to give them the information that, that they need. And half the time I'm explaining how vote by mail is going to work, you know, much less myself. So not only that, let me ask you this. You ever hear about animals other than deer and how, how to make Rockville more pet friendly? I do actually. Like one of the biggest one of the biggest issues I think for the, the Redgate Golf Course um, that has come up a couple. It has come up a couple of times. I do want to talk about that a little bit because it's over in my neck of the woods. Um, so it's 144 acres of bad golf course, and I think the worst thing we could do is keep it as a bad golf course. Um, but we've got an opportunity over there to keep a lot of green space in it. There's about 45 or 50 acres that are sort of topographically difficult or something is what they put in the report. I forget. But anyway, hilly. Um, and leaving that as green space and letting it go, I think would be a wonderful like contribution over there. And then the other part of it is that there's a big swath that, that butts up against Rock Creek and then Needwood on the north side. Uh, one thing that the east side of Rockville needs and we don't have is fields and rec facilities. So, you know, baseball, soccer, all that kind of stuff. And then to get back to the animal thing, the pets, it'd be nice for Rockville to have a big, a very large big dog park or something like that, leash free, which we don't really have. There's kind of one up in King Farm, but other than that, there's not much. Yeah, I've been. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is, we have a 
we have half a dog. Our in-laws leave their dog with us. That's how I have half a dog. Uh, that's funny. We did mention earlier, I mm-hmm. mentioned senior citizens. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how we can improve services for our aging population. Oh, absolutely. We've got a really nice senior center here in Rockville. It is. It is. It's very nice. It's in a very nice neighborhood. It's an old school. Uh, they've got a nice, like a, a weight room, rec facility, all that kind of thing. What I'd like to see is is opportunities for those uh, senior facilities and, and the the you know all the classes and stuff that they have also be available in you know annexes in different places throughout the city. The Twinbrook Rec Center is the one I know specifically. So, you know, classes, weight room, if you have a membership to the senior center, you can go there and use it the same way you could otherwise. I think that'd be something that would be nice for seniors because, you know, you can get over there, but if you want to stay in your own community, you know, want to stay in your own local community and want to travel that far, you know, that'd be a good option. The other is, is working on making it easier to stay in your home long term. I mean, that's, we have, a, we have a home repair program that offers opportunities to uh, retrofit houses for access, uh, you know, wheelchair ramps, things like that. Mm-hmm. She talked about uh, a program that the state government has put into place mm-hmm. about helping people to stay within their home uh, longer. And uh-huh. also mentioned uh, the home repair, you buy mm-hmm. basically into a subscription and you get a certain amount of hours. And mm-hmm. people want to age inside of their homes. I think they absolutely do. Choose to live inside of their homes because look, that if you go down to one of the sunrises here or mm-hmm. you go over to Stuff, maybe the village of Rockville. These are expensive places. They are. Talking about you know, eight grand, nine, ten grand a month. Who has that kind of money? Not me. Yeah. I doubt I'll have it when I'm. I'll doubt I'll have it when I'm old enough anyway. But uh, no, that and that's exactly right. People, you know, it's expensive to stay in your home, but a lot of people don't have any other option. You get on a fixed income. By the time you pay for all that, you're running up against all you've got for the month. And so, allowing there to be options for the city to help subsidize. Like I said, repair, accessibility. A lot of the homes, you know, there's a lot of seniors over on the east side of town. A lot of those homes are old. A lot of those homes were built 70, 80 years ago. Um, You know, they need some replacement. They need some upkeep. They need to be repaired a little bit. And helping just to subsidize that a little bit and to retrofit them for people to get into and out of, I think, is something that the city has a small program. We could really expand that, I think. Issues like education, they bring out the numbers to city council meetings. But one of the biggest issues that Mm -hmm. always brings out people's Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to talk about your thoughts on zoning here in Rockville? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is, like like I said earlier in the thing, the, uh, you know, the schools are a big draw for Rockville. It's one, of the biggest, it's one of the biggest reasons people move here. If you look at Bayard, Ruston, and suddenly, you know, you take a look at the neighborhood around that, and suddenly it got a lot younger really fast. Um, and I'm not joking. Look at the numbers. It got a lot younger really fast. Um, that's important to Rockville. The thing is that we can't choke off the funds that we use to build the, for the capital expenses that we use to build schools. And if you don't redevelop certain areas and you don't particularly have the commercial stuff come in, which is where we get impact fees, commercial property taxes, all that kind of thing, that's what funds a lot of the capital expenses that build the schools. And we're cho- if we choke that off, and we choke that off not only in Rockville but Montgomery County more more generally. It's going, to be, it's going to keep getting harder and harder to build the schools we need to house all the students we've got. And we've got a lot of students. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. Montgomery County has the biggest number of public schools throughout the, the state. Oh, I know. There, there, are several, there are several states that have considerably smaller school systems than, than, than uh, MCPS does. So what do you think the biggest issue today is facing Rockville? In, I think... 
I'm always thinking of the biggest issue. Ranking them in a hierarchy is kind of hard. But the ones that I've been working on and the ones I think I can have the most impact on are, are housing affordability and the economic development piece. And the economic development piece, the one we've talked about a little less, it's the jobs. And it's a lot of people like me, a lot of young folks like me have two-hour-plus commutes back and forth to Virginia to D.C. Awesome. It really is. Um, I mean, I enjoy riding Metro as much as the next guy, but uh, I'm running out of podcasts to listen to. Well, you have this one. I know, and I, like, you know, I go through the back catalog, but I'm still running up against it. <laughs> But uh, we can do more to bring jobs to Rockville than we have, and we have plenty of opportunity in space. We have plenty of good transportation infrastructure. We've got plenty of good uh, the workforce that businesses look for. We've got a nice little burgeoning biotech industry over here up, on, you know, up near Shady Grove Road. Uh, we can do more to encourage that, and part of that is letting some of the buildings that we have that were built in the 60s and 70s turn over and let somebody rebuild them into something a business in 2020 wants to use. And that's a big reason we have some vacancies in the area. talked about Redgate, talked about 270. We've talked about, uh, we talked about deer. I just, I just love the deer. I mean, literally, if there's something that binds every corner of Rockville, it's, it's the deer. We've talked about the transportation and the congestion issues. And I mean, those are huge, the education stuff. Um, you know, I think the Twinbrook is, uh, the Twinbrook forum is probably going to be the most detailed one we've had so far. The TCA put out a really, a really detailed, um, really detailed set of questions for everybody to answer for the Twinbrook Community Association and their part sponsoring that with the village. So I imagine the village is a, is a concept I don't know if the listeners are familiar with about uh, helping people age in place. It's for seniors, disabilities, that kind of thing. So I figure we're going to hear a lot of questions about that and a lot of questions about seniors. Twinbrook's got a little issues with development along our dens and the Twinbrook Quarter Project. So I think we're going to hear something about that. And then I hope the other thing that we hear about and maybe the biggest issue that we don't talk about enough in Rockville is you know, just basic municipal infrastructure, stormwater management, sewer systems. Uh, a lot of the stuff was built in twin impervious surfaces. impervious surfaces. You know, all the stuff that really gets people excited about voting. How do you, how do you see yourself as a partner with the county? I think we've got to. I mean, the city as a whole has got to get. We're 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 in a very layered jurisdiction. You know, we've got the city, we've got the county, we've got the state. We have federal funds that come in. You know, Rockville's got a lot of partners it needs to work with MCPS. You know, all that kind of thing. So we need to spend more of our time, I think, than we do negotiating with our partners in MCPS and at the county level, making sure that when they're thinking about county-level issues, they're not forgetting about Rockville and going, Rockville's got its own thing over here, right? So we need to make sure that that happens. Uh, Twinbrook Elementary is a school that's been on the repair list for decade-plus now. It, it needs to get bumped up and, and have more attention to it that it's been given. So there's examples like that where we really need to be an advocate with the other, layer, you know, the other layers of government that are around us. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're just down the street. Yeah, they're just down the street, and you guys have a front row seat to county government, and you, you mm -hmm. can go up and talk to any number of the, the city council or the county councilmen. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we saw a lot of change over the last time. Mm -hmm. the yeah. I think so. I think people are looking for a change. I mean, the you can look at my, you know, my flyers, my website, things, you know, a new vision for Rockville kind of thing. Uh, we've been treading water for a little while, if you really want to, if you want my honest opinion on it. Uh, you know, we, we haven't made decisions on the town center. We haven't made decisions on the King Farm, Farmstead. We haven't made decisions on Redgate. Like, we've kind of kept those things 
on the back burner, sort of hoping somebody makes a decision for us. How would you address each of those? The King Farm Farmstead, we've got to keep that building from collapsing because it's going to, you know, we're putting a lot of money into just making sure that it stays, you know, vaguely upright at the moment. King Farm, that, that, that could draw in a lot of wealth. It could, and, and that farmstead in particular is a great, I've seen it done in other cities where they've used things like that as event venues, you know, uh, wedding receptions, things like that, um, which helps to offset the cost of maintaining something that's, that's that old. But it needs, you know, plumbing and infrastructure and things like that. That's a capital expense that we need to find some, some funds for because the longer we sit and let it, you know, sit there, the more it's going to cost to fix at the beginning. Redgate's another thing is we need to make a decision on how to do that. It's going to be a planning process, but we have to make, you know, at least some sort of decision on what we're going to use parts of it for. Some of it backs up against some conduct, some uh, light industrial areas over there. We need to figure out what to do with that. Uh, and then when we go to the town center, sort of we've known the problem for a long time. We've been afraid, to, you know, just afraid to address it is that, you know, there needs to, the, the other stages of the plan need to be completed. We need to allow the housing to be built that we plan to begin with. And we need to allow different types of businesses to move in. Just go ahead and make those decisions, do a couple of things, see what works, and then try the next thing instead of kind of waiting around for it to fix itself. Well, I think we covered a lot. That's, a, that's quite a bit. And <laughs> how many, how often do you get to speak to these farms? Do they get the candidates an ample amount of time? There's a bunch of them. Oh, there's uh, 13 of us for the council and, and two mayoral candidates. That's a lot. That's a lot. And there's four seats open. Four seats open. And there's two incumbents who are running. Mm-hmm. There's two, I guess, open seats. Well, uh, yeah, two incumbents opening in the mayor, yeah. So. And so you, did you, did, when, when Julie Polakovich Carr was elected to uh, the state house, did mm-hmm. you apply for her seat? I did. I was one of the finalists for the vacancy, one yeah. One of the three finalists for the vacancy, yeah. And are all three finalists running? Uh, two of them are. Okay. One of them's running somebody else's campaign. I know, right? I, I, yeah, okay. So, well, that's that's good. I mean, that mm-hmm. that that matters. I mean, clearly you are on track. Why didn't they end up picking? They couldn't. They couldn't come to a decision. And we've talked. To, you know, we, I've talked a little bit about leadership, and I'm not. You know, I'm not. Well, you know, a little bit of a, the, hey, you, you, may, you dragged us up here three times. You ought to be able to come to some sort of decision. But it ended up being, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about, going back again, is we don't have enough city council members. There's five city, you know, five if you include the mayor. Uh, if one of them goes, it's two two, and that's an easy way to get it. It's an easy way to get to a deadlock. Would you prefer to up it to seven? Seven, at least, yeah. I think seven's about Gaithersburg has similar cities in the area have seven. So Gaithersburg has five. They have five. They have five. And they have a strong mayor. Do they have the executive? I don't think. Yeah, but but we need. I mean, we need more than we've got right now, and that's both a representational issue and just a simple like it's it's really easy to get deadlocked if somebody's not there. So, James, make your final pitch. Uh, people who are listening, uh, we're coming to the end of this, and give them a reason to vote for it. All right. I mean, the reason the reason we've talked about and I've said it a couple times before is jobs and housing affordability. If you want somebody that has knowledge of those issues, it's not only practical, but I'm living it right now, trying to make sure that I can afford my my kids' childcare and my own home, bringing some jobs to Rockville so that we don't have to spend two hours in the car or in the metro every day. If you want to get people off I-270, that's a good reason to vote for me. That's a good reason. I think so. Um, JamesForRockville.com is your website. You're on social media. Mm-hmm. You've been out and about in the community. The election is November 5th. Mm-hmm. You know, your ballot. What's the last day that you so it's got to be to the city by 8 p.m. November 5th. You can drop it off at City Hall if you want. There's a lockbox outside. You can mail it, postage paid, or you can go and vote in person on Election Day if that's how you want to do it. James Hedrick running for Rockville City Council. Thank you.
Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to a Minor Detail podcast. Remember to call Care Plus Home Health today at 301-740-8870. Discover how you can help mom and dad or an aging family member live safer and healthy inside of their home.